Ladies and gentlemen, please take your seat. The show is about to start. Hey guys, what's up? This is Phoebe. Yeah, this is Mike. This is the Mike and Phoebe show, episode 19. We're airing April 22nd, 2023. And today we have a very special in-studio guest. He's a personal close friend of ours. This is Matthew Talley. He's been working in the field of behavioral health for the last 23 years. And Matthew is here to promote his book. He's a first-time author of his book. His book is called God of Hope. So he's in, been in the field. He began in his profession as a residential counselor for adolescents suffering from serious emotional disturbance. For the last 17 years, he's worked with and advocates for adults experiencing chronic mental illness, including those with substance use disorder and homelessness. Welcome, Matthew. Thank you for having me. And uh, I love the post-close personal friend part. I appreciate it. Yes, thank you. Absolutely. We're so happy that you could join us here today to talk about your book. I I was able to read your book. I really loved your book. I love the stories that you had to tell us. It is an autobiography of your life, right? Yes, that's correct. So we can come back to your book. Now, you want to tell me, in your opinion, what is mental health? That is a good question. You know, growing up thinking about mental health, you know, we always have these stereotypes of mental illness and someone who has a, a disturbance because mental health is a, it coincides three things, uh, emotions, psychological, and social. And it affects how we act, how we think. And if we have some type of illness, whether it be anxiety, depression, bipolar disorder, schizophrenia, it, it can affect several aspects of our life, whether it be family, social, work, friends, how we think, how we're, how we're responding to stimuli that come to us. So it can be very debilitating, but not having that understanding can create a stigma. So I remember growing up, I was thinking of my mom who has schizophrenia along with my dad. Just thinking of my mom, I was, used to think of words like bizarre or, or nut job or, you know, it, she wasn't really a mom to me. She was like more of like a, a patient. So I try to process all the trauma and just just thought of these really ridiculing words about her. But as I grew up and I got older and have a better understanding, I educated myself along with learning some empathy and um, started to realize that these struggles uh, are brain disorders and they're no different than any person having any, any other type of disorder, say diabetes or heart disease. It's treatable. People can live normal lives. Um, being in this field for so long, long, you, you see that. You you see people's recovery. And I, I guess I've been inside the environment for so long. It's just natural for me to to see these stories of people recovery. And it's like, yeah, it's possible. For, but for so many people and so many families, they I think there's isolation, there's stigma, there's that's just isolate that family member or that friend. And so, well, that person doesn't get out of bed and maybe they just doesn't have a strong will or they're not as strong as me or they're maybe just going through something and they'll get over it, you know, just give them time or whatever, not realizing that they may have a real serious issue. Again, depression as an example. So we have to understand and empathize and be there when, if and when they, they request help. I think a lot of us um, go through that in the beginning when we're learning about uh, mental health disorders and things like that. I know for me personally, my own experience was starting from my 
grandma, then from my dad, and then down to me. So it was almost like uh, it was like normal living. We had uh, my grandma had now that I realized anxiety and maybe depression too, but definitely anxiety. They correlate. They yeah, I remember she would always tell me as a kid, "Don't be nervous" in Chinese, and I remember I was like, "What does that mean? Why is she telling me not to be nervous or not to be anxious?" And um, so it's just a normal everyday thing. So now, and I've seen a lot, maybe in the last um five to seven years, the stigma about mental health. People are actually talking about it more in mainstream media. Oh my gosh, this is mm-hmm. so true. Yeah. I remember when I was, a, I was a teenager when Kurt Cobain died. Mm-hmm. I was a big metalhead. Mm. And when he committed suicide, mm. I I thought to myself, well, he has a daughter and he left his daughter. Why would he do that? That's selfish. Mm. And I was thinking all these things. And I, I totally loved his music and I wanted more of his music and I wanted more of him. And, mm. and I'm like, oh, it's just a selfish thing to do. And then, you know, he left his wife and his and his daughter. And again, not realizing that he was suffering eternally yeah. mm-hmm. and maybe he didn't have the resources those around him didn't understand it i think and we're living in an environment now where we understand these things and mm-hmm. I, I give an example of michael phelps the mm-hmm. the swimmer i think he's fantastic for speaking out and being open and that was so motivating mm-hmm. it's like yeah i have depression yeah and i deal with it i mm-hmm. i sought a therapist i sought help mm-hmm. and that to me was very encouraging not me personally but for those who in who are in his sphere mm-hmm. those who he influenced right um people like that mm-hmm. have bring this open and, and exposes it for what it is mm-hmm. it's just a human disease that yeah. That is treatable. Mm-hmm. So, um, but I, again, I can name so many examples. But yes, we are living in a time where people are speaking more openly about it, and which encourages me to mm-hmm. do the same. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's very important to talk about it, to normalize it, and to create uh, an environment where you can talk about it openly and not be judged. You're in a safe place, you know, just talking about it because I find that to be very, very encouraging and very important. Because if you're talking to someone and all of a sudden, and if you talk about, you know, your anxiety, depression, and all of a sudden they're like, what? You know, then of course they're they're not going to feel safe to open and uh, continue so talking. Yeah. But I think it's important to have that line of communication open. Now, why should we? Oh, we were already talking about that. Why should we be open about getting help or helping others? You know, you've been in the field for so long, Matthew. Why do you think we should be open to getting help like that? That is an excellent question because I think, well, I know it, the disease is treatable. Even the most challenging of illnesses, uh, schizophrenia, schizoaffective disorder, or things of that nature, bipolar one, bipolar two, uh, anxiety, depression, even it could be debilitating. Depression mm-hmm. could be debilitating. There's mild, uh, moderate, severe. Uh, my myself maybe experience uh, mild to severe at times. For me, in my own experience, even working as a mental health professional, it's one thing to work and treat and advocate for clients. It's another thing to experience it yourself. When I was going through those things, I had made a point not to have this affect my daughter, have this affect my wife. But as I was closing off everyone, as I was shutting down, I I tried to put on a masquerade as if everything was fine. And in actuality, it was not. But I, because I feared my, unfortunately, I feel my wife would have stigma towards me and think, well, bad about me or thinking that I'm weak. And while I'm here, I'm advocating for people at work. I'm thinking of being ridiculed myself. So it prevented
prevented me from getting help and seeking treatment. But I think that, again, in this environment, people speaking out, celebrities is a big thing, advocates and doctors and ex- explaining their own experiences. I, I remember there was a time my old director, we were sitting at a Christmas dinner or something like Christmas event, employees only, and we were just eating our food and she just openly expresses her own anxiety disorder. And then she just said it out in the open as a matter of fact. I was going through my own things and no one really, no one knew. I never spoke to anybody, but I thought about that and I'm thinking to myself how brave that was to do that. And she's, and I was thinking to myself, she must be in a place of peace and of a place of comfort and strength. I think that was the key word, strength. And that to me was motivating. And if I think if there's a network of people doing that, having the strength and the vulnerability to do that, because I know it's hard and difficult to be vulnerable. But if we can do that with the very closest people to us, a brother or a cousin or mom and dad or spouse, I think we'll find that, yes, I think we can find people that will advocate and support us in these moments. I think there's a fear that that support won't be there. And I think that's internalized. Nobody wants to be ridiculed. Nobody wants to be judged. No one wants to be labeled. But I think we should have the courage to be vulnerable and speak out. So I I think that all those who have encouraged me, whether it be my clients, my director, whoever, that again was motivation for me to do the same. That's awesome. And you know, when you talk about being vulnerable with people, especially being, being vulnerable with people that you don't know personally quite yet on that level yet. I can definitely agree with that because being vulnerable and open, it helps us to connect to the people that we're getting to know. And like we're getting to know new people, setting those boundaries and letting them know what we're like and things like that. We're being open and vulnerable with them. You know, for those of you that are listening, you may wonder how Matthew, Mike and I were friends, how we came to know each other. Matthew and I actually used to be ex-coworkers. I used to work in the field for the last 10 years. Well, okay, not two years ago, but like 10 years before that. So Matthew and I used to work in the same uh, company and we used to work together oftentimes. So Fantastic uh, co-worker, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Yes, you too. When I was working, uh, we worked in different offices. So the clients I worked with in the beginning, I'll say I was very closed off to sharing my own personal experiences with them because I was working. You know, when you're working, you don't want to share your story with the people there. But I didn't realize that that was hindering me from Mm. bonding with people. I totally get that. I was feeling the same way. Yeah. And see, I didn't know that until just now. Yes. So and that was oddly enough, uh, us bonding with the clients was part of our job. So that was me being closed off was hindering that process. But as I learned, you know what, um, why am I not bonding with people? You know, Mm. if these are this is supposed to be our job, part of our description. I'm not able to do that. But then I spoke with my then supervisor and he would let me know, you know, if you let get to know the the people, the, the clients there and let them get to know you too. And I was like, what? Wait a minute. I thought we were supposed to be professional. We're supposed to be, you know, like have this this facade against us. This, and this, in other words, this professional barrier. Yes, this wall. You know, professional yeah. client, nothing exactly. more, nothing less. Yes. Exactly. Yes. And so, so that kind of blew my mind. But then I thought, okay, well, let me try this. And sure enough, as I open up more and more, then um, we experienced that bond, professional bond, but the bond of where, you know what? Yeah, I do have anxiety. And yeah, I do stay up at night sometimes. Your brain goes and, you know, you can't I, stop I it. So then you you talk to your your spouse, your husband, whoever it is next to you, and they got to okay, calm down. Okay, it's all right. It's cool. You know, don't worry about it. Talk you down. And but as you express that with the other people there that you then you establish that bond and you realize, you know what, I'm not the only one going through this. There are other people going through this. This is very true. The the mold of treatment that you and I were engaged in was 
peer support mm-hmm. where they're not necessarily you have to have a lived experience, but it, it is advantageous to have one right. uh, when working in this field mm-hmm. and, and an extra level of empathy. Mm-hmm. And um, while you and I did not do that in the beginning, we eventually learned how advantageous it was to walk in their shoes and to it say, yes, we, we've been there and this is how we manage that. And at the end of the day, we're all learning to cope. Mm-hmm. And then we, we can see someone who has lived that walk, walked that walk and say, yeah, there, there is a path on the other side that gives courage and motivation for those who are still struggling to find out where they are in terms of their recovery. Mm-hmm. And this could happen at any age. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Because mm-hmm. there's so many different uh, variables that happens in life that could actually put you into depression and or get you anxiety where mm-hmm. you never had any of that oh, before. God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, it's funny you, you bring that up because my, like, again, my mother and my father had schizophrenia and several of my sis- siblings. For me, looking back, I realized I may had some issues with panic, but I didn't really think about it in college or right after high school. I just kind of blew it off as kind of like jitters or nerves, you know, oh, you know, you're going into the real world, blah, blah, blah. Right. It wasn't until I started dealing with my father in my late 30s, dealing with his behaviors that it really triggered this all this past trauma within me. So I'm thinking I'm all past this. I'm great. I'm home, wife, a career, daughter. And then all of a sudden I'm hit with a flood of worry and panic and anxiety, trepidation, uh, worrying about my father's aging health and his behavior and just trying to manage that and just just reverting back to the past and my lived lived experience with him. Yeah, it it can come in in a later age. And that's that's the challenging part. But at the same time, again, there is a way out. There is treatment. There is recovery from moments like that. Whether in my case, would the issue be temporary or maybe it's you're you having a, a long-term chronic mental health condition. Again, there is recovery from that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I know I've uh, already went through the same thing with my parents the same way. When my dad was sick, you know, taking care of him. Then when he passed, then my mom got sick. Mm. And then when she passed, everything thereafter, all the way until now, has been a bumpy, rocky, dusty road. Mike, let me tell you, I, you can, know? I can relate. So, I mean, I you know, as, as time goes, sometimes you start to learn, you know, to better yourself and make things a little bit better for yourself. Absolutely. And just like we were saying, cope with it. Absolutely. I think we build all these layers in our head from, from your youth and you have all these expectations of your mother, your father, your quote-unquote caretakers. I looked at my mother and I always saw that she was ill, so I didn't have any high expectations of her. It's like, okay, she's ill, so I don't expect her to be a mother. My father put on his facade for me that he was, quote unquote, a good father when in actuality, there was a lot of problems. And so because of that, I had a lot of resentment. And so a lot of that just flooded back when I started dealing with them. When my mom passed away, I dealt with it relatively well. But when my father was aging and, but, and dealing with his issues and stuff, that, again, that came back to me in, in just thinking about all those issues from the past. And here I'm in as an adult. And that brought about a, a flood of stress. And that stress can be can way on you oh, yeah. if you don't talk about it. And I didn't know what was going on at the time. This was probably in 2000, 2009, 2008. Mm. So I just didn't talk about it. It just, just built up inside like, like a pressure valve. And I could not, I didn't know how to release it. And that's, that's dangerous. That's scary because mm. it just boils over. And next thing you know, you're, you're exploding on your family. You're exploding. I'm exploding on my wife. 
you have to have a conscious awareness and and the, those your loved ones have to have a conscious awareness say hey you know something's wrong let's talk about it let's let's find out what's going on yeah plus let alone the uh stress can actually make you physically feel, oh absolutely you know absolutely. over over time absolutely. i mean not right away but over time it, it can and this is true um even within my anxiety before i started getting treatment i was regularly having tension headaches and huh. stomach aches your mind can affect your body oh, yeah. there's no question about it mm-hmm. it's a scientific fact so you you have to manage your stress. And I know that's easier said than done, but find ways, I'm probably off topic here, but find ways to relax, find ways to decompress, find ways to lower the pressure, take a break. That was one thing my therapist has told me, have healthy boundaries, even with your own father, yeah. have healthy boundaries. So understand it's okay to say no to something sometimes. It's okay to take a break. It's okay to take a, as they say nowadays in the workplace, a mental health break and mm-hmm. take a day for off from work and things right. like that. So right. we talk about these things now because it, it's more open, but maybe five, 10, 15 years ago, no one said these things. You just no. suck it up. You yeah. deal with it. Go to work. <laughs> Go to work. Take care of your business. Right, yeah. right. And and I chuckle because I was doing that myself. Yeah. And I think that attributed to the burnout that I felt, but I was only doing that because I felt the need to do that. You know, put on that, that fake, fake smile, yes. that Oscar winning smile, <laughs> and then eventually, hopefully, okay, Okay, when you when you start faking it till you make it, then okay, it's a little bit easier. But then you're only pacifying the time. You're not. You're just covering the problem. You're not oh, releasing it in a, a healthy manner. And when you said that's off the topic, it actually isn't. I don't feel that it is because um, it's all about related to mental health. Yes, you know you have to maintain that. And if you don't de-stress, then yeah, you are gonna start to go backwards and um, things like that. So I disagree that it it actually does have a lot to do with it yeah now the reason why we brought you here matthew is to talk about your book your book that is going to be out may 1st 2023 matthew's book is called god of hope which is going to be out on may 1st 2023 anywhere books are sold now you can pre-order and pre-save it if you go on amazon book baby any barnes and nobles any distributions right that's correct now you want to share with us why did you um choose to share your story in a book matthew my goodness i mean that's talk about being vulnerable that's funny um i had a friend come to me and say she she read a preview copy and she said i'm amazed you wrote this and you put this out there i could not do that she said so how did you do that and i i said to myself and i said to her i was like how could you not because i i see people advocating all over my sphere and in my network. I, how can you not tell your story? How can you not share? How can you not want to see people do better based on your own struggle as an example? I, again, I, I worked in mental health for 20 something years. I love helping people. It was totally independent of my own lived experience with my mo- bro- mother and father and brothers and sisters who have schizophrenia. I just figured, well, I'll just, I wanted to help the youth because I'm like, well, if they had mentorship, if, if I had that type of mentorship, I'll probably be walking a different walk and living a different life. And I wanted to give back, but it was really independent of my own experience. Um, but as time goes, went on and I had my own journey with my own issues with anxiety, depression, I spent five years in therapy. At the close of my therapy, my therapist asked me to start journaling. So, you know, why don't you do some journaling? We we can read it and share it. I was like, sure. So I did five pages, five turned to 10, 10 turned to 20, 
they ended up doing like 60 pages. My okay. therapist read it and she was like, wow, Matthew, you had a quite an experience, a, quite a journey. And um, you should be proud of where you are. And, and we talked about it and we worked through it. And, and I, I said, thank you. And we kind of closed the therapy, kind of had a moment and closed it. And I kept those 60 pages and I just figured I'll, I'll save it for my daughter, put it in my safe and lock it away. And I was like, well, if my daughter ever saw that I was having a low moment, because in during that time, I was going into this cycle of anxiety and then a cycle of depression and I'll be well and they recur and back and forth. So I didn't know how long this was going to last. So I figured, well, my daughter is older. She can read it and she can maybe understand her old man a little bit better. You know, so I was just going to keep it for her. And that was it. As time went on and I started thinking about my brother, Freddie, who who passed away. He was homeless and had schizophrenia and thinking of my parents and thinking about my other brothers and sisters. I thought to myself, who's going to tell their story? Mm-hmm. Who's going to speak up for them? Who's going to share and maybe encourage someone else? I thought there's something here that I may need to share. And I again, I started thinking of my director who shared her experience. I started thinking of my clients who speak openly and honestly mm-hmm. about their experience. And I thought to myself, I'm no better than they're I'm no better than them. They're, they're not. I can do what they're doing. I can share their their story is valid. And, and quite frankly, so is mine. I, I can have a voice for those who do not have a voice. I can do that. They encourage me. They are, I would say, my heroes, my clients, my those people who, who stand up and speak and advocate. I just decided, you know what? I think there's something here that I need to share, that I need to say, primarily because we need to talk about it. We need to talk about it, especially in communities color uh, where there's a lot of stigma and misunderstanding towards mental illness. Uh, We need to have conversations. We need to be open about it and say, hey, yes, I have depression. Mm -hmm. Yes, I have anxiety. And it's okay. It's okay. Uh, Again, Michael Phelps is is a a big hero of mine. And so I I just, all these examples, again, we we should talk about these things. And me personally, I, why I did use faith as a bedrock of my own recovery, even if you don't, don't, do not practice a faith, I think it's advantageous to seek help, talk to someone. And if that first therapist or counselor is not a good fit, find someone else. They're out there. They are out there. Just talk about it. Seek help. And that, that is the main takeaway. If you don't necessarily use faith, use therapy or use both. But talk about it. Talk to someone. And then for others who may not be struggling with a mental health condition, you may have a family member who does. Right. And it's very important for you to advocate for them, to be an open door, an open ear, and um, and to have that level of understanding and conversation to approach them when necessary. So that has basically been my main goal to start a conversation about mental health, because this is a topic that affects everyone, regardless of their ethnic background, regardless of their class, regardless of their income. It affects everybody. What was the inspiration behind the name of your book? Mm, that is a good question. Very um, good question. It's twofold. My daughter's name is Hope. So mm, I... Okay. It's kind of, I wrote it for her primarily. Uh, well, she's the inspiration for me writing the book because I did initially write those pages mm-hmm. for her to read as an adult. So mm-hmm. since her middle name is Hope, the God of my daughter. 
but at the same time, I I wrote it for me because the word hope had means so much to me. Uh, growing up as a teenager, I was a bit of a rambunctious knucklehead, pretty much a, a nihilist. I didn't think God existed. I think life was meaningless. There was no purpose. And really, frank, quite frankly, there's no purpose. And why am I in school? Why am I here? I, I didn't see anything of value, love, family, anything. When I discovered when that, that word hope kept nagging at me, it's just like, in this, in my skull, just like as I became older and older teenager, um, and then I started thinking about and researching the idea of of hope and faith and things of that nature, and it just a light bulb came up in my head. So I just realized life is the exact opposite of meaninglessness, and there is hope. There is a life to live, even in struggle, because there's meaning in struggle. That's that's pretty much why I named it. But again, named after my daughter. But again, it it means the word means so much to me on so many levels because because of my own upbringing, because of my own experience with um agnosticism and, and nihilism and being basically being an anti-theist. So, so yeah, that's what that word means to me. So, you know, when you said there is meaning in struggle, right? To me, when you said that, uh, that really caught my attention because that is such a true statement. There is absolutely meaning and there is reason behind the struggle that we go through. And I, I agree with that because I can resonate that in my own personal experience. Yes. You always wonder, why am I going through this crap? Why am I going through this? And oftentimes I wonder if people also think that, why is God putting me through this? Why is the greater universe, anybody, you know, whoever you believe in, why is this happening to me? Absolutely. When, especially when we're going through that journey. Not to get all theological. That's but, okay. That's uh, okay. Theologians will call that term the problem of evil. Well, you know, if there's a God or quote unquote good God, why would he allow me to struggle? Why is there pain? Why is there murderers out there mm-hmm. or hurricanes killing people and things? Why my child has cancer and things like that? And, and some people, because of those issues, they may reject religion or they may reject God and or may reject meaning. But, and, and I have these conversations with my daughter, she's not 11. Because she'll look at her challenges like, I'd rather not go through the struggle. You know, it's mm. like, I'm really having a difficult time learning how to play this sport with these kids. And I, I just don't have the talent and I just don't want to do it. I want to give up. And it's like, you, you have to go through that struggle in order to learn, to find out where do you fit? Where do you, where's the purpose? For me, struggle is where you grow. Because if you don't have struggle, you are in a perpetual place, in a perpetual place of ignorance. The most difficult times in life, they shape us into where we need to be, where are we going as a better, possibly better parent, as a better spouse, as a better community member, because you have been through those things and life is Life is struggle. That's the certainty of life. Right. That is the certainty of life, struggle mm-hmm. and pain. Yeah. And so how do we process that? How do we help others to walk through that? Mm-hmm. And the only way we can know that is to experience that pain ourselves. Yes. The way I see life is it's always on a pendulum. You know, there's an up and a down. And sure enough, when you swing, you're swinging like on a on a low, you're going to hit that low. You're going to go through crap, go through the struggles and the pain. But eventually there is going to be an upside. There is a silver lining. However, you can't just expect it to clear up on its own. Absolutely. You have to do the work and you have to have your find your closure and that I'm a big believer in finding your closure, not only finding it, but not expecting it to come to you. 
Because if you don't find your closure in whatever situation, the trauma that's happened to you, you're going to be living that trauma all your life. And I've gone through that myself because mm-hmm. we've all gone through situations that's out of our control, that's extremely traumatic, that we can't control the outcome of it. But are we going to continue to let that have the power over us? Absolutely. And keep us in that traumatic place, in that triggering place. And I learned early on that you do have to find your closure, whether it's just in your mind that you convince yourself that you're going to have that closure, you find that closure and you start to change your perception about that traumatic situation. You're building on that. Yeah. Building on that. Yeah. And to me, that was very hard to do. But at the same time, it made me a better person. Absolutely. Because, you know, Mike knows my story. If I had let this traumatic situation rule over me, then I would be miserable, you know, and I see that in so many people that they let traumatic situations eat them alive and oh, they're absolutely. miserable for the rest of their lives, not knowing that they can find and seek that closure. It's funny. A lot of my therapist friends uh, in the field, we often share each other's struggles when we're in the moment or when I'm in a moment. We always remind ourselves that this will pass. Mm-hmm. This dark place will pass. We'll, right. There will be an upside, mm-hmm. as you were talking about, mm-hmm. and even in an upside. There will be days, days when it's like, oh my gosh, this, I, I, I'm on cloud nine. I, life couldn't be any better. But, mm-hmm. you know, just always keep in mind that that, that life waxes and wanes. Mm-hmm. You know, you have the good moments and the bad moments. And the day of your wedding and the day your child was born or, or the day a family member passes away. Right. It's like, learn how to, and for me, learn how to be not necessarily in that middle, but appreciate both moments because both moments is what life is. Mm-hmm. And whether you happen to be a religious person or not, that basically where life is somewhere in that middle mm-hmm. and ex- experience just experiencing being in the moment experience the pain whether you're on the dark side experience that moment it's okay to cry mm-hmm. it's okay to seek help it's okay to be there for someone else in that dark moment and then even in the good help be experience that with them uh, life is messy Mm-hmm. It's it sometimes ugly, sometimes it's beautiful. I think at the end of the day, if you if wanted to paint a picture of life, I think you could paint this beautiful canvas, and then and we can look at it and it's like, well, there's blemishes here and there. But at the end of the day, it, it is a beautiful painting. You know, another phrase that stuck out to me, Matthew, when you're talking here and you're uh, telling us your story is being there for someone else. You know, not only have we gone through our journey and probably are still going through our journey in life, you know, ups and downs and things like that. But also another important thing is to be there for someone else too, within our boundaries. Let's say, and I experienced this myself, you can't be of service. You can't be a good friend to someone else when you're going through your crap, because then you're going to, well, I feel it. That was my experience. Then I can't, I can relate. I could be toxic to you. You know, if I'm trying to help you, quote unquote, trying to be a good friend, but then (laughs) I, 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 being emotional, you know, then it's like, oh man, oh, I got to be there for you. But then you, you don't give a good response. I love that. Mm -hmm. I love that. But I would encourage anyone listening, like I would say still be there Mm -hmm. because it's such a distraction. True. (laughs) To be honest with you. It Mm could actually help you through it. Absolutely. I remember being in Mm -hmm. in my, my sad places and when I'm like focusing on my clients, Mm -hmm. there's just like this beauty there. Cause I'm, I'm totally not thinking of myself you, you, when you're in your mind and you're thinking of your trauma and your, your stuff and your baggage. It's like tunnel vision. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Right. But when you're like thinking of others, mm-hmm. it's your your life just kind of melts away mm-hmm. and you're you're living in the present. You're in the moment and you're thinking about what's here in front of you. Someone, another human being is in front of you mm-hmm. that probably needs help. And all of a sudden you're not thinking of yourself anymore. Right. You're thinking of others. And again, not to get too religious, but, mm-hmm. but you know, Jesus says, you know, serve God and, and treat others like you treat yourself. And it's like, even again, if you don't happen to follow Christianity, it, it, it's a it's a good thing to live by. It's just treating others like you treat yourself. And mm-hmm. and again, if you take the focus off of yourself and put them on others, you your your problems tend to shrink. I remember being in therapy. Uh, we were in an anxiety depression group and everyone was just going in a circle talking about their issues and everybody was bouncing ideas off of another one another. And you start to realize how small your pain is. Mm. Not to minimize your pain, but in light of others, it's like, you know, maybe my experience is not that big as I thought. I know, I know they're going through something. I don't know I'm going through something, but I'm, I'm seeing my issues shrink in light of their own issues. Mm-hmm. As, as I help them, mine is actually shrinking. And so, and it's being minimized. Mm-hmm. And I can see it for what it really is. Sometimes your, our fears or trepidations is just like a paper tiger and it's not as big as we thought. Mm. But again, it's not to minimize someone's internal pain because it's real for them. It is very, very real. But when you expose it, when you talk about it, when you share it and then when you help others, it shrinks. Mm-hmm. It really does shrink. I like that phrase. It, it's like a paper, t- uh, paper tiger. Yeah. When you said that, I was like, wow, what does he mean by that? And, you know, so I like I like your expressions. Well, yeah. he, he means that you can shred his up at any given time That's because right. it's made out of paper where That's other people's is not made out of paper. It's made out of metal or made out of something else that's going to be there for a lot longer time. Yeah, for them, it's it's mm. it's for them, it's real. Mm-hmm. And I would never minimize anyone's pain. Mm-hmm. True, true. But when I'm helping in the process of helping them, I'm really realizing that this monster under the bed that I call my fears, mm-hmm. it is it's not threatening. It can't hurt me. That paper tiger can't hurt me. And and I'm I'm going to be okay. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be okay. Yeah. And uh, in process of helping others, listening to others, you feel rewarded and it does make you feel better because then you can feel safe sharing with them. And then when you feel, when you share your experiences, that helps you feel better. So I always like to ask people, do you feel better after we talked? You know, or I don't like to hear like, oh man, no, I still feel like crap. You made me feel worse, BB. What the heck? You know, so um, I always ask them, do you feel better? You know, how, how do you feel now? You know, and they always say, you know what? I feel so much better. Even just simply talking about it. You may not, found, you may not have found a resolution for it, you know, but it's just the process of getting it out. And that resolution may not necessarily be the key is the right. key is just like, exposing it and mm-hmm. putting it out there. Um, one thing me and my wife do all the time is we ask each other how our day is. Now I know that may sound mundane and you, mm-hmm. we, we might do it out of repetition, but after my anxiety, that word or phrasing has a whole new meaning. When mm-hmm. she says, ask me, am I okay? I can really truly respond to that. Mm-hmm. Say, yeah, well, this is where I am. I'm feeling a little blue, you know, mm-hmm. or this would have happened to work today and it kind of frustrated me. Mm-hmm. So yeah, just asking how, asking that word, are you okay? Mm-hmm. It's, it's really a huge deal. I think um, basically debriefing or talking to someone else at the end of your day, it does make you feel better and is very important. So even if you may not be married, you may not have boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever, Absolutely. a partner, but it's just the action of talking 
it out. You can talk to your your friends, you know, neighbor, things like that. Just the action of getting it out. It's like unloading a little bit. But you know what? Yeah, I do feel better because Mike and I, we did that all the time. You know, now we work from home. So we're together all the time. But uh, when I was working at um, my old job, I would call him every day after um, getting off of work and we would just talk. Because um, I wouldn't want to wait until I get home because I, that by then I'm exhausted. By the way, I think that's beautiful, guys. Oh, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> my my wife and I, she became we became closer through this experience. Mm-hmm. And- truly is my best friend it's not hyperbole but um when you like put your walls down and mm-hmm. just bring them totally down and, and and expose yourself and that could be a scary thing I'll, mm-hmm. I'll admit it it could be a scary thing but when you become vulnerable with somebody and they respond back with that same security and safety and it's like yeah, you're fine you're going to be fine here in this space with me Mm-hmm. That is a huge deal, and and you're right. Not everyone has that. Mm-hmm. Some people may not even have siblings or friends to do that with. But there are networks out there. You know, it's funny the day and age of the internet and you know Facebook groups and things like that. There are so many anxiety groups out in Facebook mm-hmm. and, and uh, Instagram, and and if you look, you you can find that. You can find those groups in your space in your place. They're they are out there in your universities or your campuses. They mm-hmm. are out there. And again, if you have insurance and, and if you need counseling or therapy, you can obviously get that as well and seek a professional that's someone who's objective uh, and can help you work through those issues. One thing about the Internet um, I appreciate and I've been through that before, too, is uh, the power of hiding behind the keyboard, the cell phone, whatever it is. Hmm. Uh, I don't know if I'm <laughs> saying this right. And uh, you're anonymous. I, yes. And, and, and you know the word I'm trying to say. I, I do. And and say it with me, people. <laughs> anonymous. You're anonymous. Yes, anonymous. Right. And yeah, that's yeah you're, you're being enough. anonymous. Yeah, you know, that's good enough. Everyone yeah. knows the word I'm trying to say. <laughs> so uh, you can hide behind the keyboard. It's uh, powerful yeah. because then people won't know, oh, well, Phoebe's typing this. Oh, my God. So this is in Phoebe's head. What the heck? You know, and um, so you can feel safer in um, expressing what you're I going like, through. I like that. Absolutely. You, mm-hmm. you, you can be in that space and say, well, it's like you're not comfortable enough exposing right. who you are necessarily. You face can to be face. in this group, so you can be like in some type of Zoom group or something mm-hmm. like that that you find online. And maybe when you're comfortable, when maybe when the others are comfortable, you, you can guys can go with, take it a step further and, mm-hmm. and be, I hate to use a phrase, but the sky's the limit. Right. You know, so yeah, you can initially walk in and, and you can have the, you know, not expose yourself so much mm-hmm. or maybe not be necessarily be ready to be vulnerable. But in time, Mm-hmm. You can you and that person, all those people in that group mm-hmm. can learn to be vulnerable and share and go deeper yes. in, in your own recovery and, and learning how to cope and manage your your emotions, your, your anxiety and things that you're going through. Yeah. So now talking about your book, Matthew, when I was reading your book, I saw a lot of uh, parallels with your journey as a young man and what I went through in my life also, you know, um, we're kind of like in the same age group. So we grew up around yes. the same era. I want to say era. Uh, and, funny. you know, so uh, I think uh, G- Gen Z. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. No. Are we Gen Z? Where are we? Um, um, Gen Z? No, Gen, Gen X? I want to throw your name, age out there. but I'm 44. I've said it to no, people. You're, you're <laughs> yeah, I'm not Gen Z. You are Gen, Gen X. X. Gen X. I apologize. I apologize. You are right. No, you're Gen X. I should know this. I actually wrote it in the book. She was one year off from a millennial. millennial. Yes. Yeah, I'm so grateful. 
Not to knock on millennials, no, no, folks. We, don't we don't be. Knock, yeah, no. I'm just saying this is our, my age. So, um, so I appreciated the parallels of your journey as a young man, even though you know, obviously, you're a man, I'm a woman, you're African American, I'm Asian, but we, I feel like we still went through similar experiences in that way. There's parallels, you know, to our journeys. And I also appreciated how your your journey as a in spiritual. Yes. In your spiritual journey, which I also very much appreciated and how it it tied in together with your lifelong journey and then how you wanted to share that journey with your daughter. Yes. You know, I appreciated that very much and um that you can share that with uh the community out there. That's very important. And so your book, Matthew, uh is out. I'm so happy that I was able to read it. You know, I don't know if I can say that. No, you can. Advanced copy, can. maybe. No, so um, it's I was happy out. to give it to you. Yes, yes. Me t- I was happy to read it. And I've been talking to people about your book and uh, putting it out there, not only because we're friends, but because I enjoyed your book. I appreciate what you said that even though, yes, I, I am African-American and you are Asian, but struggle, mm-hmm. pain, recovery, uh, happiness, mm-hmm. joy are universal. Yes. Across cultures. Mm-hmm. So um, I think even if my story may vary from yours again there, there, there we will all find parallels mm-hmm. i think us as westerners americans we can find parallels in our experience and and learn from one another i, I think other cultures and other groups are I, I think learning from that is it's just a beautiful thing not that my book is primarily pointed towards the african-american experience although that is my experience i think my experience uh, transcends that and this is in project of struggle and recovery Mm -hmm. and again i think we all can relate to that just as human beings absolutely Absolutely. no matter what our race Mm -hmm. absolutely thank you mike thank you i definitely think um your book is universal no doubt about it because um I think people need to hear different points of views, different stories, but also know that because I know more people have gone through what what you and I have gone through. What, yes. So it's good to get that out there. And like you, know, you said, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Okay. I, just, I just thought about something like and I was reading a, maybe like 10 years ago, 15 years ago, a report of CDC that said uh, half of Americans will ex- experience a mental health condition within their lifetime. That's a big deal. It's hmm. 50%. Yeah. You know, if you got 10 people in the room, five of them in their lifetime will experience something. So if you don't walk that walk, you're mm-hmm. going to know someone who's walking that walk, that struggle, that pain. Mm-hmm. And so it is important for us to know where to point them to, mm-hmm. how to help them, right. how they can cope, mm-hmm. and how to be in this journey or road towards recovery Mm -hmm. it is possible yeah so you you were saying 10 15 years ago uh cdc said it was about 50 no i was reading i was reading that cdc report uh during some um research Mm. uh some for work and um yes it was a cd it might be even earlier than that Mm. it might be five to ten years ago Mm. but uh yes 50 percent 50 percent of americans and uh no doubt now it's probably a hundred percent sure you know it's funny it's as they do these surveys and they get the, you know, get the data, mm-hmm. you know, more people are actually speaking up right. about it. Right. So it actually, you're right. It could mm-hmm. be even higher than that. Yeah. Yes. Cause when I was talking to people, I would just call it adulting. Yeah. It sucks. <laughs> yes. You go through life, you go through adulting, you go through ups and downs and crap and things like that. But in actuality, it's more than just the adulting part. 
you know, it's like what you were saying, it's the anxiety, it's the depression, it's all of that. It's, uh, and the more we normalize it, the more we talk about it, yes. then we create that safe space. I love what you said, normalize. Yeah, yes. we definitely have like, to. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. okay, I have heart disease. Okay, yeah, I have this issue. Oh, yeah, I have uh, depression or anxiety. Right. Yes, normalize it, talk about it. Yeah. Don't hide it. Mm-hmm. Expose it for what it is. It's, yes. a, it's a challenge that we're walking through. We're yes. walking through it together. Mm-hmm. Whether you experience it or you know someone who is, we're walking through this together. Yes, absolutely. I like that, walking together. Now, uh, Matthew's book, God of Hope, is going to be out May 1st, 2023. That's going to be available anywhere books are sold. So you can get a physical copy or an ebook. Now, if you want, you can follow Matthew on his social media. So his Instagram is M Levi, M like in Matthew, L E V I underscore Tally, T A L L E Y. Or you can find him on Twitter, uh, same handle, M Levi underscore Tally. He's also on LinkedIn. If you want to follow him on LinkedIn, and that is slash Matthew dash tally dash Levi. And um, you can find him on Goodreads. You can find him on all sorts of other um, social media. So definitely, I would say people check out his book, check out his book, because I really appreciated it. I loved reading it. I ate it up. Actually, I read it within the last uh, like within about a week or so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Thank you. Huh? Appreciate that. Thank yes, you. yes, absolutely. And it wasn't just because, you know, I felt like an obligation because I said, oh, I would read your book. But I liked how you started your story, too. It almost kind of seemed like it was a thing out of the movies, you know, because you're when I read, I envision what that person is um, talking about in a movie, in a cinema kind of a thing. So I was envisioning you as a young man going through all that turmoil. Thank you. A lot of the previews, I was getting that same feedback. So that, that means a lot. Thank you. Yeah, I, I think the main goal is if you yourself experiencing something or you know someone who is, I think there's benefit to this story. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And then yes. at the end of the day, at the end of the day, we can have conversations about this mm-hmm. and expose it and talk about it and get help. Yeah. And if I were to pick one word to describe your book, Matthew, I would say inspiring. Thank you. Yeah. And then I would also say powerful. I can say all kinds of other awesome words, but definitely inspiring and powerful. And um, we need to normalize it. So I'm glad that you came in and drove all the way (laughs) from from, uh, where you came to uh, come in studio and talk to us. Check out his book. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Yes. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you. Thank you, Mike. Thanks for listening to the Mike and Phoebe show on Alternative Twist Radio. If you missed any past episodes, just search the Mike and Phoebe show or Alternative Twist Radio on any major podcast app.